Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's open the Word of God tonight to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and another familiar passage. We'll begin reading in verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, when you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. All right, let's pray, and then we'll begin reading in verse 1. Father, how we love you tonight, how we thank you for the privilege, once again, to gather around your Word tonight, to be encouraged, to be spiritually fed and nourished by the truth that's contained in the Scriptures. And we pray, dear Father, that you'd speak to our hearts. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring things to our mind. Help us, Lord, to be attentive, to learn, to, to, uh, Lord, to receive the things that you have for us tonight. May we be vigilant, and, uh, Lord, may we be... Uh, quick to apply these things, to use them as we move around and as we uh, grow in our Christian life, uh, living for you and, and serving others. So we pray you teach us and guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And of every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so we have this admonition that's given. John is writing, and I want to title the message tonight simply, A Word to the Wise. A word to the wise. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to point out that John is contrasting and he's, he's talking about these false prophets. Notice how he says in verse 5, they are of the world. Then in verse 6, he says, we are of God. I mentioned a few weeks ago in a message uh, talking about how someone had called into a radio station and And uh, they were making mention of the expression that we sometimes hear in the faith, that we're in the world, but not of the world. And they were talking about, is that really really a biblical expression? And I was surprised when the pastor teacher on the radio said, oh, no, that's not in the Bible. Turn back to John 17. I know we preached through John 17 recently, and uh, we were able to look at some of these, and I I mentioned it then, but I want to just go back for illustration's sake, and go back and show you this again, since it is also in our text in 1 John. He's talking about how we're of God, we're not of the world, and he's making that contrast. So if we go back to John 17, I want to show you the exact expression as it's mentioned in the Scriptures. First of all, look with me at verse 9 in John 17. Remember, Jesus is praying to the Father. This is just his heart being poured out to the Father. And he's praying for his disciples. And then remember those who would believe, future tense, 
because of their word also. So he's praying for future believers. In verse 9, he says this, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. So right here, Jesus begins to separate. He begins to make a contrast between the world and believers. Now then, if you would move to verse 11, notice what Jesus says here. He says, and now I am no more in the world. He's about to leave, and this is his prayer before the crucifixion. He said, but these are in the world. So you might want to mark that expression. They are in the world, right here in verse 11. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, if you skip down to verse 14, notice what he says again. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then down in verse 16, he says in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So it's interesting to note that in his prayer, he says in verse 11, they're in the world, but he says in verse 14, they are not of the world, right? So if you follow in that train of thought, this is, an, this is a biblical concept. It's, it's where we begin to notice uh, what we call separation. This is biblical separation. Jesus is, is separating them, however, here in his prayer. Now, if you want to go back to first mention and all of that, you can find where God separates his people back in the book of Genesis from Egypt and from the world. And, and so you can do a Bible study like that if you'd like. But it is mentioned here in John 17. It is a Bible concept that we as believers are in the world but not of the world. The reality of that was spelled out by Paul in Romans chapter 6, how he talked about that when we follow Christ, we die to the old nature, we die to the flesh, and we live a new life in Christ Jesus. And so baptism is supposed to picture that resurrected life, uh, that newness in Christ. You know, we sang that song, Bound for the Promised Land. But if you understand Scripture, the promised land was not referring to heaven. The promised land for Joshua and the children of Israel was where they were going to live in this world. The promised land then, for us, symbolizes the way we're supposed to live in Christ. The promised land is us receiving all the good things that are promised when we follow the Lord and live, live the way his word uh, teaches us to live. Just like we talked about this morning, taking what you know and applying it so that what you do and what you know are equal. When we live the Christian life, then the blessings of God that come and the promises of God that are fulfilled naturally by that following of his word, that's the victorious Christian life. We have victory over the world. We have victory over the flesh and the devil when we, when we live for the Lord and when we live that resurrected new uh, Christian life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great concept, and I, I, really, uh, you know, I really like it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have the privilege of claiming that as ours. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. So anyway, that's just a side note for your benefit, a uh, ex, little extra there uh, on, a, on a Sunday night. Take it with you through, throughout the week and enjoy that. Coming back to 1 John 4, he does touch on that. We're in the world, we're of God. He, he makes this contribution here. But he's talking about, he's, he's really given us an admonition because he starts out saying, Beloved, believe not every spirit. And he's given a word to the wise here. 
because, um, you know, sometimes we get so happy in Jesus, we just think we should, and we should in, in the scriptures. The Bible tells us to love everybody, right? We get so involved loving everybody that sometimes we forget. There are some that we have to beware. All right? Even Jesus among the 12 had a Judas. We have to beware. We have to have a little of that discernment we talked about this morning because we're going to have to discern something a little deeper. We're going to have to discern some spiritual things because we're admonished here in this text not to believe every spirit. Think about it. I, I, I think John is encouraging us. He's admonishing us tonight. He's letting us know that when you follow a false teacher, you become a victim. But when you follow a true teacher of God's word, you become a victor. Well, that's a great blessing. Something to think about. You know, uh, these false teachers that we're being admonished, they create division. They encourage you to take sides. Things like that. Their message is false. Their methods are false. They come in under false pretenses. They use deception to mask their identity. Uh, they try to secretly come alongside of you and try to get you to, them to come alongside of them. Um, it's interesting, in Second Peter, he writes about false teachers, and he uses the word feigned words. And the word that, that's translated feigned words is plastos, which talks about plastic, plastic words. Well, so the idea there is those are words that can be twisted easily to mean one thing or another, depending on the context and all of that. Well, I think from politics, we're very familiar with plastic words, feigned words, words that we think one thing, but they mean something else when they say it like that. Uh, so they give you the impression that they're going to do great things, but they actually don't. Um, and those misunderstandings are created because of those plastic words, those Fain words, those empty promises, right, that are, that are made and yet not, not fulfilled. And so we want to we watch out uh, for these. I want you to see in our text tonight that John is admonishing us to step up, to be responsible. Because you and I have the responsibility of identifying these people that he's talking about. So let's look at it. First of all, I want you to notice the requirement tonight. The requirement. Verse 1, John writes, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, right? He, he's saying, don't believe everything you hear and see. Watch out. Uh, there are many, he says, there are many false prophets gone out into the world. Okay, so uh, the requirement here is that you and I, we have to believe not every spirit. We can't be gullible. We, we can't be ignorant uh, or even innocent when it comes to this. We have to know how to identify these false prophets that are in the world. So God's word is giving us that responsibility, that requirement that we, this is something we have to do. Now it's good if someone else sees it before you do and they help you uh, to identify a false prophet. That's always great. But you can't wait for someone else to put the tag on. You can't wait for someone else to call them out. God's word gives each of us the same responsibility when it comes to this. Believe not every spirit. So he says, beloved, that's all of us. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Right? So we all should have the ability. We have the requirement, if you will, <clears throat> of identifying 
these false uh, prophets. Notice, if you will, let's, let's turn in the scriptures and uh, just do a little... Uh, just do a little comparing of Scripture with Scripture. Let's go to the book of Matthew, and let's begin first, if you will, in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I want to show you a couple of verses there that kind of go alongside of what John is saying in 1 John chapter 4. Matthew 24, and let's look first at verse 4. <clears throat> Matthew 24, I'm almost there, verse 4. All right, so the Bible says there, And Jesus answered and said, watch this, Take heed that no man deceive you. So he's given an admonition to the disciples, and he's saying, watch out, take heed, he says, that no man deceive you. He said, there shall many come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. Now, he's talking about the end times, and I get that. I don't want to get too far into an end time message. What I'm trying to emphasize is this portion that John was pointing out to us, that there are false prophets in the world. There are, there are uh, those who, who would have you think that there are true shepherds, true leaders, true teachers, and they are not. So we have the responsibility of identifying them. Jesus mentioned this also, and he said, Take heed that no man deceive you. It's important that you, under, that you notice the word deceive because it tells us how they're going to come. They're going to come with deceptive means. If it was obvious, well, he wouldn't have used the word deceive. He wouldn't have warned us ahead of time that they're going to deceive you. They're going to make you think that they're good. And by the way, didn't Paul mention that? How that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light? And he said, and no surprise then that his ministers can do that also, and they represent themselves well. But it's deception. So we have to be armed, we have to be ready against the deception that these type of people bring with them. Now we're looking at verse 4, skip down to verse 11, if you will. In verse 11, he says, And many false prophets shall rise, and what? And shall deceive many. So this is their aim. This is, this is their effort, their method. This is how they do it. They, they're deceptive. They look good. They sound good. They, they try to imitate the real thing. And, you know, isn't that how the devil works? He often, he does more, he does more copycat work than he does original. Think about that. And he does that to deceive. That's, that's the goal. That's the motive. Now turn back again in Matthew. Go back to chapter 7, if you would. If you're going to understand and be responsible to, to correctly identify the false prophets, then you have to look for deception. You have, to, you have to watch for that. You have to be able to identify deception when it comes. Watch for those feigned plastic words and stuff like that. Understand their tactics uh, and know how they try to deceive. All right, looking at Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. All right, and then in verse 16, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Well, the obvious answer is no. Okay, so the fruit identifies the branch. We can identify them by their fruit. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Now, who's ye? 
oh, the, the apostles are going to do this great identification, right? No. <laughs> this is an admonition that's public. Everyone that hears the Lord Jesus saying this has the same responsibility to identify these false uh, prophets, these, these wolves in sheep's clothing, he calls them. And so here's the requirement that we're able to identify these. He's going back to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, John says, beloved, believe not every spirit. Right? He's coming with this great admonition. So the requirement is that we, we stop, that, we, that we're mindful, that we're watchful. The, the, the challenge is that we're, that we're using good judgment, that we're looking deeper than the surface, that we're discerning what's being said and what's being done, and we're comparing that with, with the fruit of the person, right? Um, now, it's, it is interesting that when we're talking about fruit in this connection, in this way, if you notice Jesus use that in connection to false teachers, okay? But, but actually, we're going to see tonight that there's a lot of these antichrist-type figures, okay? And, and their works are always going to show you who they really are, their fruits. So kind of in a way, we have to be careful of this. Remember we talked about balance this morning? Look, this topic has to be very balanced or you'll just become an overly critical, analytical person, and you'll be judging everybody, okay? You've got to be careful with this. But we have the responsibility of correctly identifying the false, I'm just going to say false prophets right now, because that's what we're talking about. All right, so we have, that, uh, we have that responsibility. I'm not saying that so that you'll be suspect of every person, right? That's really overkill. That's like the wrong way to take that. Okay, don't become that kind of person that you don't trust nobody. Okay, that, that, that's just way too far. But at the same time, John says, don't go to the other end of the spectrum where you just believe everybody and love everybody and accept everything either. Right, we have the responsibility to believe not every spirit. The requirement is that we believe not every spirit. But then there's a responsibility that he gives also. It's right after that. He says, believe not every spirit, but what are we supposed to do? Try the spirits. Evaluate, examine, observe them. Try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, particularly in this area of false prophets and false teachers, it is your responsibility to make sure that those who teach you are not false. Okay? But I want to show with the message tonight that, that it doesn't stop with false teachers and preachers. The spirit of Antichrist works in a lot of ways. And the people that he uses are not those that are limited to the pulpit. So if we want to be wise, discerning believers, do we have to understand that the spirit of Antichrist works in a lot of ways, and, and through different people, not just teachers and preachers. That's just where we're starting. That's our starting point. John says, try the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So how do we try them? What do we do? Well, God has a test that you can give to, to evaluate a person. And let me just show you the couple of things that are in our text here. This is our resources. This is what we're supposed to use 
in this, this manner of trying the spirits or, or testing these individuals. First of all, we're looking specifically at what they say. Right? If they're of God or they're not of God. How do we know that? We're going to look at what they say. Look at verses 2 and 3. John says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And then in verse 3 he says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. All right, so watch what they say, particularly about Jesus. All right, look, there's a lot of good, well-meaning groups that'll say, oh, Jesus, oh, he, hey, he's a prophet, good man, great teacher. Say on. Right? If they stop there, we have a problem. Because Jesus was way more than a good teacher and a good man and a prophet. Right? We want to know what they believe about who he is. Is he the only begotten son of God? The virgin born savior of the world? God in the flesh? Who in him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily? Hey, I'm telling you, if somebody has the spirit of Antichrist, they don't like all that. And one surefire indication that, that they're not what they appear to be is that they don't acknowledge the deity of Christ. So in, in a, a ministry where I was pastoring and we had a Christian school, we had problems. We had problems in particularly in our high school department. And we noticed that, that several of the young people in high school were developing a critical spirit and a rebellious kind of attitude. But it wasn't always out in the open. It was very subtle and very quiet. And after a while, we kind of pinpointed the source. It was coming from one classroom. It was actually coming from one teacher. The teacher was teaching what he called critical thinking. Critical thinking is analytical skills. That is not what he was teaching. What he was teaching is question all authority. What he was teaching is the spirit of rebellion. Don't accept anything at face value. Question everything is what he taught them. Well, he was pretty good at it. Not only was he good at it because uh, he, he infected several young people that graduated from school there, even before our time. But it was affecting some that were currently enrolled. Well, I, I, I just felt like it was, like, it was like trying to catch Jello, you know. I just felt like there's, there's something wrong with this guy. But I could never catch him in the words. He knew not what to say around me. So I couldn't catch him. I couldn't correctly identify him because he had a well-painted face. Well, I had such a strong hunch, we let him go. As soon as we let him go, and he was no longer connected to that position, well, he had nothing to hide. He began using social media and, and Facebook and all of these kind of platforms to spew out his doctrine. And one of the first things he began to attack was the deity of Christ. And I said, aha, I thought so. It confirmed that he was a false prophet. 
he carried into our Christian school the spirit of Antichrist. He infected many of the young people that went to school there, even before our time, generations. I told my wife one day, I said, it's interesting, isn't it? Most of the graduates from this school don't go to church anymore. Wow, something's wrong. Yeah, it was wrong, all right. And that's how those people work. Very deceptive, very careful, very select with how and who they share things with. And it's hard to to pinpoint. So you better be on your toes if you're going to be ready to identify one of these because they know you're watching, right? They know who's watching and who isn't. If you're not watching, they know you're not attentive, then you may be in their crosshairs. They may come after you, try to deceive you and sweep you up into their fellowship. Now, not everyone who is a deceitful worker is a, is a prophet or a teacher. I'll get back to that in a moment. But we identify them by what they say, all right? As I dealt with this man and I, and I was trying to identify correctly, I wanted to know, is he the source of this? And, and, I, and I didn't know 100% until he began to reveal his true doctrine. But another thing that I noticed along the way, and, and using, we're using God's, God's resources right here. Remember I said we have a test. We're going we're gonna to judge by what they say, right? Look in verse 6. We're also going to judge by what they hear. Verse 6 says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now I want you to understand something. When you get outside of truth and you get into error, I want you to understand, error has no boundaries. You're on slippery ground. A lot of people say, oh, not me, preacher. I'll never end up way over there. Well, if you step right here, you may. You may just slide. Oh, it won't be tomorrow. But the path to over there starts right here. When you step out of the line, out of the bounds of truth, that's what leads that way. So we're talking about God's litmus test. God said you can identify them by what they say. In verse 6, he says you can identify them by what they hear or what they won't hear. I noticed that this particular teacher, the, the, last, part of the, the last part of the time, the last semester that he was employed in our Christian school, He never came to chapel. And I thought that was curious. And every time I inquired, where is he at? Oh, he always had a reason. Oh, well, I had to take care of this. I had to take care of that. I had always an excuse. So at first, you know, the obvious thing, okay, well, I I get it, I get it. You accept the excuses. But after a while, you start to notice... This is a trend that goes deeper than the excuses. This is determination. Like he's just never in chapel. Why? Because because the spirit of error will not hear the truth. Will not hear sound doctrine. That's why. So you will be able to determine their identity by what they hear, what they're willing to listen to, and what they're not willing to listen to. Very interesting. Pay attention. 
I began to pay attention and realize there was a problem. And so I confronted the problem and I met with him. I said, I need you to be in chapel. And he said, well, you know, that's the period that I, I, I have uh, every other period is booked. And I, I, I need that time to prepare, you know, and, and different things he was taking care of. I get it. But we still need to see you in there at least sometimes. Pop in. Be there. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't. And it was just another part of the test. It was another piece of evidence that something was wrong because of some of the things that he would say. And then the fact that he just wouldn't hear the preaching. He he wouldn't sit under it. And I noticed at times at church as he sat under preaching in in the church services, I could tell he was analyzing, he was criticizing, and sometimes I actually saw him laughing at the preacher. So I could tell, okay, I know the preacher made a mistake, but nobody else is laughing. Something's wrong. And it doesn't take long before you begin connecting dots. You're identifying one of these false prophets. Watch out. We have a responsibility. John said, try the spirits whether they are of God. And friends, we have that equally, that responsibility, one with another. Um, I want you to notice in in several of these passages what we're talking about. Um, In John, he says, he calls them spirits. Believe not every spirit, right? Every person, every teaching, every thought, every attitude. You, you You could put a lot of applications to the term of spirit right there. When we go to 2 Peter chapter 2, and let's just turn there for a moment for reference. If you turn back to 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, notice in verse 1, he says, But there are false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring up themselves swift destruction. So we have the term false prophets. We're watching out for that. Those preachers that would preach something that's unbiblical and deceptive. Damnable heresies, Peter called them. There are also false teachers. Not preachers, but teachers. These are people who would step up into the position of teaching you God's word. And you have to watch out because sometimes people have their own ideas about what the Bible really says or really means. Oh, it really means this. You've got to watch out. Compare scripture with scripture. Make sure they're guiding you accurately through the Bible. And you have the Bible. Right? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. If you compare Scripture with Scripture, you should get the understanding. And by the way, don't let anybody fool you. It doesn't take a college degree to understand the Bible. Okay, A casual reading of the Scriptures, comparing Scripture with Scripture, understanding it in context should give you the accurate conclusion of what it means. There's no private interpretation, remember Peter told us of the Word of God. So we should all be able to read and understand it. If somebody, if somebody gives you some kind of special meaning or special conclusion that you would never come to on your own, that's just a little flag there that you need to pay attention. All right? I'm not talking about somebody who's defining a word maybe that you didn't know the definition of or something like that. I'm talking about people who take you to conclusions and build doctrines on precepts that are not even taught in the Bible. But, but they're pretty good at making it sound like they are, right? We have to watch out for that. Those are teachers, and uh, Peter, Peter deals with them. But in chapter 3, Peter doesn't talk about false prophets. 
and he doesn't talk about false teachers. When we go to chapter 3, Peter said there's another crowd in this antichrist movement. Guess what he called them? I think this teacher that I referred to a moment ago was, had fallen into this category also. In, in uh, chapter 3, Peter mentions these, he calls them scoffers. Scoffers. Now, why do I, why do I mention scoffers? Um, because there's other terms. Because there are people who are not in a position of preaching or teaching who can still lead you astray, who can still deceive you, who can still lead you into false doctrine if you're not careful. If you're only looking for preachers, false prophets, then you may be influenced by a scoffer, totally unawares. All right? So be mindful that there's people that are not, uh, not behind the pulpit, but they have the same agenda. Peter called them scoffers. In Matthew chapter 13, turn there with me if, if you would for a moment. Remember, we have the requirement of believing not every spirit. We have the responsibility of identifying whether they're for Christ or against Christ. And if you're going to correctly identify, you need to know that they're not all hiding behind the pulpit. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us another, another term. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> if I have the verse. How about verse 24? Matthew 13, verse 24, And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Now, what's the problem with the tares? There's no fruit. The tares are the fake plants. They're really a weed. There's no crop. And what's interesting is the tares and the wheat look alike. So it's very difficult to discern until the fruit starts showing. All right, so that helps us understand as believers, guess what? There can be someone on our level, someone sitting among us, sitting next to us that has this spirit of Antichrist. They may be a tear instead of a true wheat. How are we going to discern that? Well, we go back to John. We listen to what they say. We watch and we pay attention to what they will hear or not hear. Right? And either their words or their life, their choices, their attitude, something will show which side of this they're on, whether they're the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Antichrist. Tares, watch out for tares. Matthew chapter 7. We looked there a moment ago. Let's go um, in Matthew 7. Let's go to verse 25. Jesus again speaking. <clears throat> uh, that's not the right verse. Verse 15, not 25. There we go. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. All right, for inwardly they are ravening wolves. So we have these wolves in sheep's clothing as we, as we talk about. Now, now here, 
uh, he's referring to prophets when he uses that expression. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen someone who's not a preacher, but maybe a church member that turned out to be a wolf in sheep's clothing? We had a man come in our church and wanted to join. And we said, hey, we have a new member class. And he said, oh, yo, what, what's that? We told him what it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. He reluctantly went through the class. I was told during that time, by the way, when, when we have a new member join, we present them as a candidate for membership. All right? So they begin the process of joining. They're a candidate. And then, and then during that time, they're going through the class. We take a few weeks, and we get the letter from the church that they came from and stuff like that. We, we talk to them about their testimony. We try to make sure they're saved and they're baptized, that they're true believers. They're coming into our fellowship. That's the time that if you know something about this person, oh, hey, preacher, that's a wolf. That's the time to come tell me that. Okay? Don't hold it in until after they join and say, boy, I'll tell you what, let's guess who we got. No, 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 no. Come and tell me during that time period when we're working on everything and trying to figure it out, that's the right time to come and say, Pastor, there's something you should know. Well, so people came and they said, Pastor, there's something you should know about this brother. Oh, my ears perked up. Okay, what is it? Oh, they said, he's a former member. Oh, yes, brother so-and-so. He's faithful, Sunday school teacher, all this. All that in a bag of chips. He's been, oh, he's great. We just need to let him in. Oh, that's good. I said, well, we, we go through the new member class. Well, then a couple weeks later, I had him come back. Oh, man, why, why does he have to take a class? He shouldn't have to take a class. He's a, he's a former member. I said, well, this brother was a former member, and he was one of our missionaries, and he's a preacher. And when he came off the field and joined our church, he took the class. He wasn't offended that he had to take a class. So why should this brother be? You can tell already there's a problem, can't you? <laughs> oh, yes. And there was. We get to the end of the class. We have a new member covenant. The new member covenant basically just says, I understand the teachings of this class, and I agree, you know, to be supportive of that and practice and all that. So we, we sign it. Boom. There's, there's nothing specific that's mentioned. It just says, I'm agreeing with what y'all are teaching here. We're on the same page. That's all it says. So you sign that. That's part of the new member covenant. Boom. And that's part of our thing. Well, well guess what? He, he coasted all the way up to that and said, oh, no, I'm not. I can't sign that. I said, oh, well, brother, did, hey, I know you're a former member. You used to teach Sunday school. I thought, I'm sure we would have believed the same things. So he pointed out something he didn't, oh, I don't believe in, okay, for him it was tithing. I don't, I don't you know. He didn't say he didn't believe in it. He just kind of mentioned it like, you know, like that was a problem. I said, brother, look, it's okay. Look, we're not going to check your W-2 or anything like that. I mean, you know, we just, we just believe tithing around here, so that's what we're going to preach, and that's what we're going to teach. And, hey, if you're good with that, we don't have a problem. Well, you know, I... Well, so I said, brother, then you're certainly welcome to attend here, but you cannot join if you're not in agreement with us to the point that you can't sign this, then that's your choice. You know, I, I just, I don't know what to tell you. So you're welcome to attend, but you can't join. 
Well, you know what he did. He left the class, and he started telling all the church members that I wouldn't let him join the church. It's going to make it me and him. We're going to, well, the pastor's against me. Well, why not tell the truth and say you're against the pastor? Why not tell the truth and say you don't believe what the church believes? It's on our doctrinal statement. I showed it to you. It's printed on the, all the paperwork. The church you know, says we believe this, so we, we should all be together, which is why we ask you to agree with this in the first place. So I held my ground. But he was able, because of the tenure of years, the close connections he had with many of the people in the church, he was able to turn many of them against me. And they began to value their old friendship above the purity of the doctrine of our church. Well, they didn't see it that way, you know. But that's what they were doing. Then I had people start coming to me and saying, Pastor, did you know this brother? He's, uh, he's talking about other things that we don't agree with. I won't get into all that because that's not what's important. What is important is to know that his tactics was that he was being deceptive. He was coming into the church as old Brother Joe or whatever his name was. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't reveal that. But, you know, his, he was just coming in as a faithful friend back from days gone by. But that's not who he was. He came in with an agenda. There were some definite things he wanted to change about our church, and he started immediately trying to influence some of the men to get on his side. He definitely in, in, in influenced some of the families to try to overthrow my decision to allow him to become a member. So I knew right away we succeeded with our new member class of stopping a wolf. This was the spirit of Antichrist right here at work. These are the kind of people that come into a church and divide it. They break up the fellowship. They disrupt the unity and the harmony of a church. They know what they're doing. They're very deceptive. And you have to really pay attention to catch it. Right? So they may not all get on a soapbox. They're not all preachers and teachers. We have false prophets, false teachers. Peter called them scoffers in chapter 3. Jesus used the word tares, talking about uh, false brethren in Matthew 13. And then wolves in sheep's clothing. All of these fall under the category of what John called spirits in 1 John chapter 4. And we have to watch out for these spirits in the day and age which we live because all of these spirits are in this category of antichrist. They're all against Christ. They're against the gospel. They're against a strong Bible-believing church. And the devil is behind the scenes. He uses people like that to disrupt and to tear up a New Testament church. And so I'm giving this message to you partially as a warning. When a church is growing and God's getting things done and, you know, people are getting excited and they're growing in the Lord, watch out. Because Jude said they try to creep in unawares. They try to creep in. I may not catch them all. I may not see everything. There's going to be, because I'm the pastor, there obviously will be a lot of things done behind my back. So 
we have to have a congregation that's vigilant and watchful, that understands this principle, and that's good at accurately putting a label on the spirit of Antichrist when you see it. I'm not saying you should judge and question everybody. Please don't do that. Don't let your anxiety get out of control, all right? But do, do be encouraged and do be vigilant. Just be mindful and watch for anything, for anyone that likes to lead against where we're going. Just watch that. Watch for things that cause division. Watch for things that disrupt the harmony of our church, the unity of our doctrine and fellowship. John said these are the spirit of Antichrist, and we have to watch. And why? What's the reason? Lastly, let me give you that. What's the reason? John said in 1 John 4, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit. That's the requirement. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. That's the responsibility. The reason is because, he said, many false prophets are gone out into the world. And, you know, we could probably say it like this. And some of them have come into the church. <laughs> you know, the, devil, the devil's not scared to come to church. And really, he doesn't care if you come, as long as you keep what you believe inside these four walls. It's really when a church starts coming out of the four walls, <laughs> that's when the devil knows, oh, okay, i got to do something about that. If we can't contain those people in their little happy place, if they start reaching other people and, 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 it's, and it's getting out, okay, well, then, then we've got to do something. We've got to stop that. And often, the way he stops it is infiltration. People start coming. Okay? I've seen it. You've probably seen it. You probably know what I'm talking about. As I've mentioned some of these people, and I do it with no malice at all, only just to illustrate the fact that it's real and it does happen. And as I've done that with real testimonies and real experiences, I'm sure you probably have your own. And maybe you're seeing the face. Maybe you're remembering the name of some people that fell under this category that you've seen, that you've experienced. And you know, it's, it's really sad. It's not fun. Sometimes these are really lovable people. They can be well-meaning and sincere. But you know, it doesn't really help if they're still wrong. You still have to identify that. You've got to deal with that. Amen? So let's ask God to help us. Let's be vigilant. Let's beware and let's be aware of what Brother John gave us the admonition. A word to the wise. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. All right, so eyes wide open, we're walking into the future. And let's ask God to help us to use good judgment about these things. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight, how we thank you for your goodness to us. We just pray your blessing, your help on us. Lord, your guidance and, and uh, continual teaching as we seek to grow in wisdom and in discernment and understanding. As we deal with people, Lord, we certainly want to truly minister to all that we can help. We pray you'd help us do that. But we know there are going to be some who are beyond our help. We're going to be, there are going to be some come in our church that don't really want help. They're here for another reason. And we just need you to lead and guide us. 
Help us, Lord, when that day comes to correctly identify, to properly understand who and, and what's going on in our church. And so help us, Lord, to, to see, to identify the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. Lord, we ask for your help in Jesus' name.